to our kids today. I do apologize for the uh, technical problem there. Uh, like I said last week, sometimes, I guess it was in second service, we had a video problem and we thought we had it worked out. Sometimes technology works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> and it always seems like it's the very worst of times whenever it doesn't work out. If you got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse 1. We're going to be there today. I want to preach on uh, what Jesus said about kids. Now, how many of you, did you enjoy having the kids in church today? Would you say amen? Amen. I'm sorry, Gary, you just got voted out of a job today, and, uh, and I think our choir might have just gotten replaced. I don't know what's going to happen in second service, but, uh, but we know God's going uh, to bless it. You know, there's something about kids that just makes you smile. There's something about them that just encourages you. Um, but let's be honest, sometimes when it comes to church and kids, they can just make you laugh, can't they? I heard about this kid one time who was, uh, he was praying in his Sunday school class, and he prayed, and Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from email. <laughs> now, I know some of you would enjoy that. I heard about another four-year-old kid who was in a service one time, they were doing the Lord's Supper, and, and his parents told him, hey, you can't take the Lord's Supper, and he got kind of upset about it. Uh, because he wanted to take that, that juice and that, that piece of bread, and he didn't understand it. And so when it came time to do the offering, uh, that little four-year-old just clenched his offering money. And no, nothing that his parents could do could make him turn over that money. And he crossed his arms and he says, if I can't eat, I won't pay. You know? <laughs> I heard about this little girl who was asked one time in her Sunday school class, she was asked, hey, what do you have to do to be forgiven of your sin? And she said, well, first you got to sin, you know. <laughs> And then I heard about this little, um, this little four-year-old boy who was asking his grandma one time about this story in the Bible. And he said, you know, it's that story where, where the, 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 one, the people were told not to look back. And his grandma said, well, I guess you must mean the story of Lot's wife. And he said, yeah, and you know what happened to her? She got turned into the Statue of Liberty. You know? <laughs> Kids are a lot of fun. They, they put smiles on our faces. They, they make us laugh. They bring a lot of joy to our lives. And when it comes to kids in the church... We must remember that kids aren't just to be tolerated, they are to be celebrated. They are to be enjoyed. They are to be treasured, to be prioritized, uh, to be taught, equipped, challenged, and then sent out as young adults and as adults to be witnesses, to be bold witnesses for Christ. And so today I want us to look and see what does Jesus say about kids and how must we as a church and we as individuals, how much we treat kids, how much we treasure Kids, Matthew chapter 18, let's read verses 1 through 6. Verse 1 says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the words of life you give us, and we thank you that you give us direction on everything we could possibly go through in life, we have guidance on. And Father, you've given us direction here on how we are to treat children, how we are to love children, how we are to um, seek to reach children. And I pray as we open up your word today, as we study it, 
uh, that we would see your word, that we would take it to heart, and we would live by it. And it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. First thing I want us to see here is that, that when we look at this text, we learn that Jesus valued children. He valued them. At the beginning of John, or Matthew chapter 18, we, we see this argument taking place. The disciples, as you can imagine, are fighting over who is the greatest. Who is the one that's going to be seated at Jesus' right hand? And they're debating back and forth. And, and finally, this argument spills over and they decide to ask Jesus. At that time, it says in verse 1, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Can you imagine the audacity of these guys coming up to Jesus and saying, Jesus, am I going to be number one? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be, am I going to be the one that's sitting there? Just who is it? They, they just were dying to know who it was that Jesus was going to place right there as his right side. And in response to that question, Jesus does the unexpected. He doesn't give them the response that they're anticipating. They probably are expecting him to say, well, it's going to be Peter. It's going to be James. It's going to be John. It's going to be John the Baptist. It's going to be some name they know. It's going to be Moses. He's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't that. And the next verse, he says, truly I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus doesn't just answer their question of who is greatest. He, he answers that, but he also says, if you want to become a member of the kingdom of God, you must become like this child. You must have faith like a child. You must humble yourself like a child. Now, this must have come as a shock to the disciples. Here were these guys. These are the same guys that in a different point in the Gospels shoo children away because they think that, Je that they're getting in the way of Jesus' real work. They think that, that they're, they're disturbing what's going on. I mean, children, instead, Jesus is saying these are not kids that are to be ignored, not to be shoved to the back. These are kids that are to be held up as examples. While the disciples thought these kids were a bother, they thought they were hindering the work of God. Jesus says, no, I value these children. I want to put these children at the front of the line. You have to remember that in this day, in Jesus' day, children didn't hold a lot of importance. They didn't have very many rights to speak of. There was no status for a kid. There was no economic value for a child, at least until they started working, especially if it was a girl. Um, in Greek and Roman culture, it wasn't a crime to, uh, to abandon a child and just leave that child to die if you didn't want that child. That was not a crime at all. It was actually quite normal. Abortion ran rampant. Um, kids were more like possessions than they were like people in those days. And even in the Jewish culture, uh, for the kids didn't have very high standing either. For instance, a distinguished rabbi during Jesus' day wouldn't have wasted his time teaching children because he had more important adults to teach, more important people to, to reach. And so it must have been a shock to the disciples whenever Jesus, instead of pointing out to an adult and saying, there's the greatest or there's the greatest, he instead takes a child and puts him at the front of the line. You know, it's sad that... that while some things have changed today, not a lot has. And we live in a culture which neglects children. We live in a day and age which abortion runs rampant. And hundreds and thousands of children lose their lives before they ever even have a chance to enter this world through birth. We live in a day and age in which we see kids abandoned, kids neglected, kids being forced to grow up too fast because their parents have been irresponsible. But when we look at children, and the, when we look at the example of Jesus, we see that Jesus made children number one. They, they were not an inconvenience, they were a blessing. 
They were a blessing. Psalm chapter 127, verse 3 says this. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, a heritage, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Kids are a reward, a blessing, not only to the parents, but to the church, to the world. I mean, flip over in the Bibles real quick to Psalm chapter 139. You might have this memorized, but if you don't, I want us to see the care and the value that are implied in Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 16. I want you to see just how much effort and how much care God puts into creating every child. In verse 13 it says, For you, God, formed my inward parts... You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Verse 15 says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were as none of them. When you think about that and consider the detail and the care and the concern that God the Father places into creating every single child, He forms their inward parts. He knits them together. Nothing is by accident. Nothing is by chance. God values children. And because He values children, we must value children. And that leads to the next point that we need to see here, and that's that Jesus cared for children, and so must we. Going back to Matthew chapter 18, look in verse 5. Jesus says, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. That word receive there, um, some of your translations is translated as welcome. And um, that's, that's a word for hospitality, and it describes a person opening their house up and laying their possessions out in front of a visitor, out in front of a stranger in order to take care of that person. And so when we read this, it says, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. It's not just saying whoever shakes a hand and says hello. You know, it was, it was so much fun to see our kids at the doors today handing out the bulletins and things. Um, but that's not just what it's saying, like be nice. It's saying to care for someone, to meet someone's needs. The picture is a stranger coming to you who has nothing. They've been on a long journey. There's no holiday inn for them to stay in. They knock on your door and you open up your life to them and say, let me invite you in. Let me feed you. Let me give you a bed. Let me give you a warm place to stay. When we think about Jesus's interaction with kids, we will see that He always is seeking to meet their needs. He's always seeking to pour into them, to care for them. Look over in Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Next chapter over. Matthew 19, verse 13. Jesus went out of His way to care for kids. So He saw their value, but He didn't just see the value. He did something about it. It says in verse 13 that children were brought to Him, that He might lay His hands on them and pray. 
The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went there and, and went away. And so he's doing the, the most powerful work he can do in that moment. He is blessing them. He is laying his hands on them as the Lord Jesus Christ and blessing them and praying over them and lifting them up. He is caring for children. I think about the miracles that Jesus performed and the ones specifically that he performed on kids. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus heals a girl who is demon-possessed. In in Mark chapter 9, Jesus heals a boy who was possessed, we're told, by an unclean spirit. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus does a miracle that he only did three times. There were three instances in Scripture, three places in Scripture where he he brings someone back to life. There was Lazarus, who was a grown man. There was the son of the widow of, of Nain, we're told, and we don't really know how old he was, but we can think he's probably a young adult. And then in, in Luke chapter 8, there was Jairus' daughter. Jesus cared for kids. He met the needs of kids. And, and, so, and, and we see this elsewhere in Scripture. It's not just Jesus himself physically doing this. We see command, this commanded in Scripture. Jeremiah 22, the Lord says this, "...do justice and righteousness." And deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do not wrong or violence the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in in this place. And so he's talking there about the need to care for those who can't care for themselves. The fatherless, the widow. He's talking about those who can't do things for themselves. That's, that's, That's kids. In James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained for the world. He's talking about those who can't care for themselves. Jesus says we must be people who care for themselves. And in Matthew 18, 5, he connects the two. And he says, if you will care for kids, you are caring for me. He says, whoever receives that child is receiving me. He's saying, if you want to bless me... Blessed child. It makes perfect sense, really, if you think about it. If you're a parent, you know that. That if someone wants to do something nice for you, one of the easiest ways they can do that is by doing something nice for your kids. Right? You can probably think, as a parent and as a grandparent in here, you can probably think back to when your kids were little, and you can probably remember those people who just sought to do nice things for your kids. Maybe they give your kid a gift, or they spent time with your child coached your kid in a baseball team or a basketball team, poured into your your kids. Jesus says the same thing works here. If you want to bless the Lord, bless a child. And it, it leads us right to our last point, and that's that Jesus drew children to himself. And so we must draw children to the Lord. You know, I just read that passage in Matthew 19, 13, where it says that Jesus... Um, corrected those who were trying to shoo the children away, who were trying to get the children out of the way. Um, He wanted children to come to himself. In Matthew 18, 6, he says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. It follows from his last point. He says, if you'll care for a child, you in turn are really and truly caring for the Lord. He's saying there's that positive side of there. But then he turns around from the negative side and says, but woe to you. Warning to you who would mislead a child, who would lead a child away from the Lord. 
it would be better if you tied a giant boulder around your neck and got pushed off the boat and sank to the bottom of the sea. He's emphasizing here that we must be people who point kids to the Lord and we must be careful that we always lead children toward the Lord and never away from the Lord. It's kind of like this. Um, as a kid, one of my favorite things to play with was this stuff right here. Play-Doh. Play-Doh. Yeah, I, there's some kids that have already seen this and they're wanting to get it from me. And uh, I don't know, you might have to fight my boys for it later. And they're kind of fighters. So, But you remember this stuff? Play-Doh was so much fun as a kid. You know, um, One thing, the smell. Do you remember the smell of Play-Doh? Man, it's good, ain't it? It's, it's weird, but it's good. It's just that good smell. But, but as a kid, I played with Play-Doh a lot, and I would go to my aunt's house every now and then, and she never had Play-Doh, so she would just pop open a can of biscuit dough, and that would be my Play-Doh for the morning, and I would play with it. But the neat thing about Play-Doh is you can make it into anything, can't you? But the reality is Play-Doh by itself ain't going to do much. It's not going to become anything. It's just going to stay exactly like it is. In order to become something, it must be made into something. It must be shaped into something. It must be molded into something. And now I'm going to have this smell in my hands the rest of the day. It's so good. It's so good. I'm telling you. Here's the thing. Kids are a lot like Play-Doh. In fact, they, they are exactly like Play-Doh in that they are going to become most likely what we shape them into. Now, yes, they're individuals and they're independent and they're going to make their own choices and sometimes they're not going to do exactly what you want them to do. Um, you know, we read that verse in Proverbs. It says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And then we wonder what happens when a child does depart from it. We have to remember that the book of Proverbs is not written as a 100% guarantee. Um, those are not black and white things. They are things that if we will do this, most likely it will happen this way. But we have to remember that kids are like Play-Doh, and if we want our kids to follow the Lord, if we want to point them to Jesus, we have to make sure we shape them in that way that we intentionally mold them to be in the image of Christ, to love the Lord. We, we must shape them, take advantage of that time to draw them to the Lord. You know, psychologists tell us that moral and spiritual development begins at the age of two. Two. Two years old. By the age of nine, many of the foundations of faith have already been laid in a kid's life. And get this, by the age of 13... What a child believes by the age of 13, he will most likely believe for the rest of his life. 13. We cannot waste the opportunity to draw kids to the Lord. Research says that three-fourths of adults who are believers today came to Christ before the age of 18. We cannot waste opportunities to point kids to Jesus and, and to be careful that we do not lead them into temptation, that we not lead them into sin. We have to be careful that we are shaping them. There was a, a, a church leader back in the, the 300s AD named Jerome, and he, was, he wrote some stuff about parenting, spiritual parenting, and he said this. He said, you cannot take the dye from wool that has already been dyed. It's common sense, but it's true that we have to be careful that we dye our kids. You know, if you think about our kids like a piece of fabric and then we are, we are dipping their life into something and we are, we, are, we, are, we are painting them to be something, that we have to make sure that we're doing so in the right place at the right way because you can't take the dye out of wool that's already been dyed. 
And so we must be careful that we shape them right because what comes in their eyes, what comes in their ears has, a, has an amazing power of shaping their thoughts, of shaping their life, and, and shaping the things that they will believe for the rest of their lives. We have to see that when we have kids in our church, we are laying a foundation for them that they are going to build the rest of the house of faith on. And so as adults who are believers in the body of Christ, we must work with all our might to teach kids that God is loving and that God is kind and that He wants what's best for them. We must work with all our might to guide kids to the Lord and to His Word. We must work to teach them to apply the Word to their lives, to love the Lord, to surrender their lives to the Lord. Teach them to, to interpret the Word so that they can live by it. We must work to protect them from temptation. All that temptation Satan's going to throw in front of them, we must work to fight against it. We cannot sit back and say, oh, it's just going to happen. They're just going to see stuff. They're just going to go through things. We have to protect them. To be careful that, that, that those little doors in their minds are not open too soon. And by protecting them, by caring for them, we are, we are preparing them for future battles, for future decisions. We're preparing them for a, a, a life of faith down the road. We're laying a groundwork of faith so that we pray they will continue to choose godliness as they grow. And so we must always be a church that is committed to little ones committed to kids, committed to teenagers, committed to young adults because we understand the responsibility because the Lord said, if you will receive this child, you're receiving me. This is a gift we must take care of well. There's a guy named George Barna who did a bunch of research on the church. He's done it for years. Um, and in one of his research projects here recently, he, he made a connection um, and realized that the churches that are doing well, the churches that are the most effective at reaching people, almost always are churches that are intentional about reaching kids. They're intentional about ministering to kids, about building a strong children's ministry, about, about building a strong youth ministry. And some might look at that and say, well, of course, you know, if you have a good youth ministry and kids ministry, the parents are going to come too and you're just going to grow the church that way. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think what is happening is this, that those churches that have committed themselves to young people are honoring the Lord, and the Lord says, I'm going to bless you for it. Those are churches where, where they're doing exactly what the Lord says here. Receive a child in my name, and you receive me. And the Lord blesses them for it. They understood the responsibility of leading children toward godliness. They're, these are not just kids that have to be entertained. These are kids that must be trained and must be shaped. You know, at the end of the day, when we think about church... And when we think about kids, when we think about youth, think about young adults, we ought to always remember that this is their church too. And in fact, if we don't prioritize children and youth in the church, it won't be very long before they grow old enough and they'll walk away from the church. Because they won't be ready for what's going to come. Because here's what God's will is. Look in Matthew 18 verse 10. At the end of the day, this is the Lord's will, and so this must be our desire. Matthew 18, verse 10 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. 
What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. What's God's desire? That no child perish without knowing the Lord. That must be our desire too. That must be our heartbeat just as it is the Lord's heartbeat. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this church. And I thank you for the commitment this church has made for so many years to reaching young people for the Lord. This church has been a, a body that has committed their resources, their money, budget, building space, energy, to reaching kids for Jesus, to reaching teenagers for Jesus, to reaching college students for Jesus. And I pray thanking you for that commitment. But I pray we would never waver from that. We would never lose sight of your will that no child should perish. And I pray that you would reignite in us a fire to want to reach the kids. Children that are in the families of this church, children that are in our communities who do not know the Lord. Children that are in impoverished situations and fight every day just to survive. Pray that we would always be a kid, a church focused on your little ones. Father, as we come to this time of invitation today, if there's someone who needs to make some type of decision, maybe it's a salvation decision, maybe they saw these kids up here singing today and their heart was touched and they realized, man, I want to have the faith that many of those kids already have in Jesus. I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Maybe there's someone here today who needs to rededicate their life to Christ. Maybe there's someone who needs to join our church and become a member here at Fisherville. They want to join arms with us in seeking to reach this world for Christ. Whatever that decision is, Father, I pray that you would give that person the confidence to step out of the aisle and to come forward at this time of invitation. It's in Christ's name we do pray these things. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?